0: Certainly wonderful songs that we've sung together this morning. Um, the uh, songs speak to our heart, don't they, about what Jesus did for us. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Galatians. And the title is directly from verse of scripture. says, The Cross of Our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're looking at Galatians chapter 6. And we'll read from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. So if you want, you can stand with me if you're able this morning. If you're not able, don't feel bad about it. Paul says here in verse 11, You see how large a letter, and it really is letters, I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. "...by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus." Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, uh, we once again acknowledge our full dependence upon you. Ask, dear Lord, for you to continue to speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for everything that has gone into this service thus far. Thank you, dear Lord, for what's going on downstairs with the Junior Church. We pray, dear Lord, your blessings upon that. We ask now, Lord, that uh, you will speak to our hearts as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As we know, when we read the book of Galatians, Uh, Paul is dealing with a problem in the book of Galatians, and that problem was uh, people departing from a life of faith in Jesus Christ, and there were those that had come into the area of Galatia. Uh, Galatia was a territory, an area, uh, not a city, and so it's a location, a As it were, uh, an area, and uh, they were following what when Paul had come and preached salvation by faith uh, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had come and uh, they were teaching that uh, that is good, but you need something else because uh, what you have. Uh, is not sufficient. You need need to be following the law of Moses. And so they were called Judaizers, uh, which goes to those that kept the law, those who followed the law of Moses. And so they were making inroads into the lives of these people and making them believe that what they had to do was to receive the, the right of circumcision. Uh, the surgical procedure that uh, has been followed over the years in many cases uh, was a sign for the covenant that was given to Abraham from God that his descendants were to practice that. And so uh, the scripture says that they were saying uh, to these people and telling the men that they needed to follow this uh, that they needed to show that they were really the believers in Abraham and in the covenant and if they did this then they would they would be real christians and uh, so Paul was very uh, upset with what was going on when uh, he learned what was happening in this area of Galatia. And so he wrote this letter, this epistle to them. If you look back at the first part of the book of Galatians, sometimes uh, a little, just a little review helps it solidify it in our minds, settled in our minds what was going on. Um, Paul establishes the fact that he's an apostle in verse 1 uh, that God has made him an apostle and uh, that uh, this establishes his, his authority to speak to them uh, and so he sends them greetings. He, he wishes them grace and peace and uh, uh, he talks about Christ who uh, himself was delivered for Uh, our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Uh, And he glories in verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever, he glorifies the Lord. And then in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto Another gospel. So they are preaching something else other than what Paul has come and established as the doctrine of Jesus Christ that they needed to trust him fully, put their faith in him, and that when they did that, they were children of God and they were on their way to heaven. Um, Paul says this is not another gospel, uh, but there be some that trouble you, and they would pervert the gospel of Christ. So uh, saying that this is something better, this is something uh, that is needed, an addendum to the gospel ...that if you have this, then you're really going to be right. Uh, Paul says that's not so. Paul says that they're actually trouble. They are troubling you with what they are teaching. Um, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you... ...than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be cursed. Uh, let him bear judgment for what he is doing because he's leading you astray. Uh, There are many voices today, aren't there, folks? Uh, And they speak as though they are oracles of God, that they are speaking in the place of proclaiming the gospel. But when you begin to listen to them, you find out, yes, they have many good things to say, uh, but there's a mixture in their words where they make allowances that the scriptures do not make. That uh, they pad the way, as it were, for people to live in disobedience and still think they're going to heaven and still think that everything's gonna be okay, that God's gonna take care of it somehow. Uh, But the Bible clearly teaches us, and you realize this is a Wesleyan-Arminian belief. Uh, John Wesley believed that you could lose your salvation. There are people today uh, that preach and teach. uh, Once you are in the grace of God, you can't get out of it. Uh, You can lose fellowship, they'll say. But once a son... Always the sun, is what they'll say. You can't get unborn. But the scriptures teach us that there is a way that seems right to a person, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And if you think about it, that's exactly what the old serpent told Eve in the garden so many many centuries ago. Uh, You can eat of it. You will not surely die. Isn't that the same thing that is being taught today to many people, that you can, you can go ahead, you can stray from the path, but you'll not pay the consequences for it. It'll be okay, because God is never going to cast you off because you are His forever child, and He has a covenant with you. Remember the covenant that he had with the people that he led out of Egypt and the promises that he gave them. But when they departed from the truth, when they did things that were against the will of God, judgment fell on them. And you have to have a pretty wild imagination to think that when They fell, Uh, for instance, when Moses was on the mount getting the Ten Commandments and came down, uh, they had already strayed from the way of God and many were put to death at that time. Uh, It would take a pretty strong imagination to think that uh, they were put to death because of disobedience and somehow... uh, they just went right to heaven because God just overlooked it and said, It's all right. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to take care of you eternally anyhow. You know there are those that believe that even saw of the Old Testament, that with all that he did and how he died in a state where he had consulted with a witch, which he had, uh, the scripture says, he had tried to purge them out of the land. But when he departed from the Lord and was seeking some kind of information about a battle he was about to enter into there on Mount Gilboa, uh, and they, he said, find me, find, me a, find me a person that can tell me what's going to happen. They said, well, you know, his servant said, you know you've perched them out of the land. You have cleansed the land of them. Uh, but we do know where there is one. Uh, so they indicted themselves, didn't they? They hadn't really done their job. And they took him to find out what that witch at Endor had to say. And the scripture says <clears throat> that she revealed some things to him. And those things appear to have been demonic, inspired. Uh, because of, as I've said before, the demons can look at what's going on and what, what's coming to pass. And they can, they can look at the words of scripture and they can know some things that way. Although they do not have the knowledge of God. And the scripture says that Saul went on and he died as... It was forecast he would die there on Mount Gilboa. There are those that would say he went right to heaven, that it was all okay. Whatever he did, his backslidings, it was all okay. You have to watch, folks. You have to watch what is being preached and what is being said. Sometimes it is said so smoothly. Sometimes it is said with such reason that you think, Certainly, this must be the truth. And you know as I'm preaching to you this morning, there are people in the pulpit, I think of one in particular, and you've probably heard this before, that this person, though a preacher, will not talk about hell, will not not talk about judgment, because those are negatives. And you have to have a positive, a positive spin on things. And... This person is leading thousands with smooth talk and with cunning words. But he is committing the sin, what do we call? The sin of omission, isn't he? Because he's not preaching the whole counsel of God. And God will certainly hold him accountable for for that. We cannot pick and choose what we want to accept out of the word of God. It is the word of God, and it is to be proclaimed. So Paul said, yes, they say they're preaching another gospel. They're they're preaching something that is an addendum, an added on, something that's going to make things better. My friends, whenever it goes in the opposite direction of full faith in Jesus Christ, then it is wrong. And so, Paul says here in this last part of Galatians, and he has addressed many things in the book of Galatians, a short book, but he has has been to the point in telling them that he is disappointed in what they've done. That some of them have, have gone into the practice of accepting Jewish laws and rules and that he is not pleased with them doing that; that they have they have actually walked away from Jesus Christ. Um, how how can that be? Uh, that uh, they would Paul would tell them so forcefully uh, that that they that they walked away. Uh, a lot of preachers wouldn't do that today, would they? Um, Paul says, uh, in verse 21 of chapter two, "I do not frustrate the grace of God. Uh, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain." Jesus didn't have to die on the cross then. if you can just keep the law that was given in the Old Testament. Uh, you, you, do not, you do not have a reason for Jesus coming and dying on the cross. Uh, and so uh, the scripture tells us that uh, Paul was very forthright with them uh, and told them what the truth was uh, that they had, to, they had to follow Christ entirely. Uh, he spells out the problem with them trying to keep the law. So uh, when he speaks to them here in verse 11, I want to explain a couple of things to you where he says, you see how large a letters. If you look in the NIV and other translations, uh, that that's a plural. So it makes you think he's talking, if you read the King James, you think it's talking about how large the book was. Well, the book wasn't large. How large a letter. So evidently, he he printed large letters. And some say it was because his eyesight was bad. Others say it was like at this point he wanted to emphasize. So he used larger letters, like you would on a poster, to get their attention. Uh, some say that he didn't he didn't he wasn't the scribe for the whole book that he used others. And he took, the, he took the stylus at this point and began to write. Uh, so that's neither here nor there. It's not important to me whether he used the scribe or whether he penned the whole book himself. But I think it is important to see that he's calling their attention to this and saying I want to emphasize this. Uh, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh They are the ones that have infiltrated and they're trying to pull you away from the gospel. And that's what he says. They're saying that you have to follow the law of Moses in order to please God. So you could say, well, preacher, what about the Ten Commandments? Does that mean that uh, we don't keep the Ten Commandments? Remember that Jesus taught us that all the commandments are fulfilled in the law of love. Jesus didn't tell us not to follow the Ten Commandments, but we don't follow them for salvation, do we? (coughs) We follow them because we're moral and because Jesus taught us to be moral in our lives. And so... The law of love is one that teaches us that we do follow the law as much as possible in order to get along with people that are around about us in order to glorify God. And so he says these people that are trying to influence you, uh, they they don't keep the law, but they're trying to make you a convert to follow them so they can brag about it. Uh, but Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, and perhaps a better word there for us to understand this, that God forbid that I should boast. When we say the word glory, we might not understand exactly what Paul's saying. God forbid that I should boast about anything in my life, anything that is so seemingly uh, of utmost importance except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the whole world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now we know that the cross in itself is is insignificant. It's because of what happened on that cross, isn't it? It's because Jesus died on that cross. I read some time ago that... Uh, Early on in Christianity, there were those that were selling pieces of wood for large amounts of money, and they said this was part of the cross that Jesus died on. Uh, would you like to have a piece of the cross that Jesus died on? That would be something to set up and look at, wouldn't it, uh, in things that, that we collect? Uh, but that, wouldn't, that would be insignificant. That uh, would be insignificant. And of course, many of those things were fraud. Uh, probably most of them, if not all of them, they were fraud. Uh, that people were just trying to make money. See, they had scams back then too, just as we have scams today. And they're trying to make us think that you know this is a value and this is something that uh, we should buy into. So uh, the cross, the cross itself. Uh, is insignificant. It's just because Jesus died on that cross. I worked with a man, uh, his name was Bill, and his last name's not important. Uh, but uh, uh, he said, he said it, it was just a piece of wood, don't mean anything. said, you sang songs about the old rugged cross, on a hill far away, an old rugged cross. said, that old, old cross don't mean anything. Well, it does, doesn't it? because that's where our blessed savior suffered for our sins. And so the cross takes on a significant significance. And you know today that when uh, atheism begins to overtake the land, uh, whether, whether it was uh, overseas or whether it's America, what do they do? They wanna take the crosses down, don't they? You hear that, they wanna go in and destroy the crosses. Uh, because it's a symbol of our faith that we believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we believe that it's because of that that we have one that cared for us and loved us and took our sins to a place where they would be forever forgiven for, for out and taken out of our lives. So Paul says, I'm going to boast, I'm going to glory, I'm going to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ because the whole world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So something happened for Paul too when Jesus died on that cross and when Paul took Jesus as his personal Savior. That meant that the world... No longer held its charm and its beauty as far as Paul was concerned. Uh, It could not any longer charm him into doing things that were against God and against God's will. And so uh, Paul says, The world was crucified to me, and I was crucified to the world because of what Jesus did on the cross. he says that the rules that they follow, circumcision or not following circumcision, is, does not matter. What really matters is being a new person in Jesus Christ. And he talked about that uh, when, he, when he spoke in Corinthians, in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I testified to a young man this week. Um, I asked him, you know, about church and things like that. He didn't know much about church, hadn't, hadn't been taken to church. His, uh, he told me about some rough things rough things that he had been through, and I don't want to go into any in detail about any of that, but he had had some bad experiences, and I said, well, you know, uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus can deliver you. Jesus can deliver you. Jesus can come into your life and make you new. And folks, we still believe that, ...that Jesus makes a difference. He He makes a new creation. And we still believe the words of Jesus, don't we? That you must be born again. You have to have a spiritual birth... ...as well as a natural birth. If you don't have the spiritual birth... ...then you're certainly going to be... ...outside the kingdom of God. But you can be born again. You can be born anew. Born from above... And you can know the difference that Jesus makes. I do not know how that takes place, but I know when I found Jesus as my Savior, He made me a new person. And I know I experienced that by faith in Him, that He came and made me new. So, the cross today, yes, many times people wear the cross and it may be meaningless. Um, I I had a new I had a new medical person, and uh, when that medical person came into the examination room, that person had a cross uh, on a necklace, and uh, so you know we got acquainted a little bit and so forth and so on and. So I said to that person, I said, does that cross hold any significance to you? And they said, yes it does, yes it does. They believed in Jesus. They had their faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, like Reverend Young said this morning, it was an ugly thing back when the church was new, Jesus, Jesus' death on the cross, nobody would have been wearing a cross back then, would they? Because it was a bloody, ugly thing, a, a, ter- a terrible thing. If, Jesus, if, they hadn't, if they hadn't determined to take Jesus' body down so that their feast day would not be ruined, Jesus would have suffered like many others with infection because some lingered for days on the cross. And it gets sickening to even think about what people saw as people hung on those crosses. But you think about how putrid the cross could be. Jesus was taken down soon. He was only there for the one day. But think of the flies that would swarm. Think of, think of the infestation that would take place terrible terrible things it wouldn't be something you'd want to wear as as a token on uh, a necklace or whatever but aren't you glad yes we are in this century and yes we know what that cross means if we're Christians this morning we know that it means Jesus transformed us didn't he he transformed us by his death on the cross. He took our sins on himself. And now the sins that we had were transferred to him. He died in our place. We know that. That makes the cross a thing of beauty to us. To say Jesus suffered and died because he loved us and because he was buying our, our redemption on Calvary. And so it takes that significance. It takes the significance that we have been set free. The old sins that held us folks. And and I was telling that fellow I was witnessing to Jesus is able to break those habits. He's able to work in your life. He's able to defeat things that have defeated you. And so all the problems that people go through and and you know how how terrible some lives become um, i I kind of like crime shows, maybe you do too um, Some of them I just get tired of because it 's the same old same old trash <laughs> people people get themselves into a jam and then something happens because they're in a jam and uh and so then then the law gets involved and you know it's all tracking down you say well you know you you open the door for the trouble and now you've got the trouble uh, so a lot of times i just flip it to another channel uh, uh, you know maybe you watch andy griffith i get tired of andy but uh, you know something it's maybe a little A little less uh, intense or violent or whatever. But aren't you glad that Jesus breaks every fetter? That's one of our songs, folks. Jesus breaks every fetter, every chain, like he did that demoniac. He can can take the chains off and set the prisoner free. I'm glad that we have transformation in Jesus. I'm glad that we have freedom in Jesus I'm glad that he sets us free from the bondage of sin and Satan and I'm glad that he does forgive sin even after we have found him if we go away from him we believe that backsliders can come back and they can be forgiven Uh, doesn't mean that people always forgive them but Jesus does forgive. And yes, we see this in the life of Peter, don't we? And Peter gives us great great solace, great hope. Because if Peter was so high and he crashed so hard and denied the Lord, then we can come back too when we fail, can't we? And we can ask the Lord to forgive us. And, you know... Uh, Some people say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it, but the Bible says it. It says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I heard Adrian Rogers tell about uh, a young guy that got saved, and the devil was just hounding him and telling him, You're not forgiven. those sins are still there. He didn't take them away. And uh, he said that uh, he was, he was uh, on the couch, and, and it just kept hounding him, like, like the devil was under the couch, and he was all around. And, and so he took his Bible and opened it up and laid it on the floor, where he thought maybe the devil was under the couch. He said, "There, devil, it's opened up. Just read it for yourself." said, my sins are cast in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Well, you know you can get kind of graphic and kind of down to brass tacks, as they say, to say, yes, we are forgiven, and it's because Jesus took our sins. Every one of them he took to the cross, and we are set free. We are forgiven because of him. Yes, Paul goes on to say, Let no man trouble me. Uh, That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Let no man trouble me. Uh, Because I'm a veteran. I've got marks on my body. Paul had been beaten. Paul had been stoned. Paul had been shipwrecked. And I'm not sure with Galatians now. I don't think he'd been shipwrecked yet for Galatians. This was... This was, I think, before that time when he was shipwrecked. But he said, I've been stoned, I've been beaten. I bear in my body the marks where I have suffered for the cause of Christ. Paul spoke with authority. And my friend, I speak with authority this morning because I stand here called by God and I'm proclaiming the word of God. It does not mean that I'm infallible, but it d- does mean as long as I'm proclaiming the word of God and God is speaking through his word to your heart that you can say, "Yea and amen, that is true, that is right, that is what the scripture says. And so, yes, we do have forgiveness, we do have remission of sin, we do have Freedom. We are made new in Jesus Christ. Nobody else can do that. I praise God for that this morning. Will you stand with me? The value of the cross. Kent Span. I never heard Kent Span. Don't know who Kent Span is, but I read something where he said that there was a church down in alabama i better look at my note here i think it was alabama and uh there was a cross i'm looking here to see if i'm right no it was arkansas little rock arkansas there was a 14-foot bronze cross weighed about 900 pounds It was stolen from Calvary Cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas. Sounds like a pretty cross, doesn't it? But thieves backed a pickup truck up there evidently and cut that cross off of its base and hauled it off. They never got it back trying to figure out what happened to that cross. They figure that it was probably cut up and sold for scrap. All that bronze, sold for scrap. But you see, whatever they did with that physical cross, they didn't realize the value in the real cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, that sets the prisoner free, that makes us new people, that gives us cause for rejoicing that causes us to bow down and say, yes, it was on that old rugged cross that Jesus made the difference. It's on that old rugged cross. That's my my declaration of liberty, that Jesus died in my place, and that's my great blessing that I have been set free from sin, set free from the power of the world and the flesh, and that I can live for God. Praise his name this morning. As we wait for a moment, if you have a need of prayer, we'd be glad to pray with you. I know everybody here this morning values not just the symbol of a cross, but the cross itself and what Jesus did for us. And Paul said, I'm going to boast. I'm going to boast about what Jesus did for me. That's a good thing to boast about, folks, that Jesus took our sins on himself. Anybody have a need of prayer this morning, wants to raise a hand? You're welcome to do that. Lord, thank you for this time together this morning. We worship you. We praise you. Lord uh, how we've enjoyed singing the old songs about the cross and for the insight that Chris Tomlin had when he wrote that about the cross about your blood running red but our sins being moist white we thank you for that Lord uh, I pray that you'll help us to live in the power of the cross help us to be encouraged this morning to hold to the truth and to say yes to the ways of God and turn our back on the ways of the world or any other teaching that would say there's another way that we are going to hold to the old rugged cross, we're going to hold to the old paths, we're going to be obedient to the Lord. Go with us we pray this morning, have your hand upon us, help those dear Lord and concerns that have been already prayed over this morning, help us to be faithful. To pray for one another and to thank the Lord as we look around people that are missing that will keep in our prayers and ask dear Lord for your special grace and mercy for them to bring them back. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.